Next on BYU Sports Nation, should the Big 12 let BYU in the conference? An ESPN national poll says yes. What does one of the leading media voices in Big 12 country think? Chip Brown joins us to discuss one of the hot topics in college football right now. Plus, BYU running back Jamal Williams makes Mel Kuyper's top five, and the new commissioner of the West Coast Conference makes her show debut. Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU Radio and BYU TV. Now from Studio B, your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, your home for authentic BYU products. Thursday, June 12th, I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with Brazilian soccer's 47th ranked fan across the world, Jerem Jordan. I wouldn't say I'm that high, but I am excited that the World Cup begins today. I served my mission in Brazil, so I'm that classic uh, Mormon dude that served his mission there and will bust out the jersey. You know what I'm saying? If America plays Brazil, who are you rooting for? U.S., dude. Thank you. There are some no people, question. There are some people that would say, ah, I'm rooting for the country that I served in. Come on! Good for you. Also, in other news, uh, intramural sap, uh, softball championship tonight. The yep. team we're on, the BYU TV guys, we're playing for the championship tonight. I believe our team name is Old Men Rule. Yes. <laughs> I think you and I are two of the youngest dudes on that team. But we have a lot of fun with that, hoping to bring home the, for me, I don't know if you've won one, the first nope. intramural championship. Get that t-shirt. That is a big deal at BYU. I've, I maybe have mentioned this to you. I don't know if Brian Logan was here the first time we talked about it, but I... I want that T-shirt. I don't care that I'm 30 and been graduated from BYU for five years. I still want that. We beat this team, by the way, yesterday by like 12 runs. 18 to 6 so or something like if that. If that team is watching, I, we're going to kill you again. <laughs> we will tonight. We're going to crush you. We won the winner's bracket. We won the winner's bracket. Double elimination. Now, we're not going to yeah. tell you what division we're in. That does not matter. But <laughs> we're playing High, Highest level, right? Tonight. Highest level softball outside of collegiate softball BYU. Right? Uh... <laughs> hey, well, I'm we'll, pumped. Seven o'clock. Tonight. We'll let it be. Wherever and however you're dialed in, great to have you with us. You can join our conversation using the hashtag BYUSN twenty four seven. Link up across BYU Sports Nation, wherever, whenever, however you feel like it, and get involved in today's Twitter question. Why should the Big Twelve let BYU in? Use the hashtag BYUSN. Piggybacking off of a ESPN Sports Nation poll, which we'll tell you about. About in a moment. Why should the Big 12 let BYU in? That is such a loaded question. And that's why we love it. Let's go. Be editorial, people. At first underscore Schmidt, he says, BYU brings a worldwide following with deep pockets and an off-the-charts simulcast college sports show to highlight Big 12 sports. The ultimate favorite (laughs) goes to first Schmidt. Yes. Listen to the show. I don't know if you've heard, but we are on radio and television. I had one of my good friends say, wait, you guys are on TV? Yesterday. He said, you're on, you're on TV? Because he listened to us yeah. on the radio. I'm like, dude, we've been on TV since March. We try and scream it from the rooftops, but if you don't know, now you do. So watch it. Rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. What's Trending in BYU Sports Nation. Topic one. Big 12 or bust. Should the Big 12 let BYU in the conference? Depends who's asking. So last night, I see on Twitter that Sports Nation, not BYU Sports Nation, but ESPN's Sports Nation, has released a poll. The brother of BYU yes, Sports Nation. Our, our relative. They have released a poll asking that very question. And I was intrigued to see the results. I think there were about 8,000 votes when I saw it last 15, night. 15,829 votes as of right now. So now that has doubled. You would not believe the response 
that BYU Blue is getting. It is our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Spread the good word, Jerem. Should the Big 12 let BYU into the conference? 65% say yes. Wow. The only states that say no. Alaska. Come on, Jake Edmonds. (laughs) And West Virginia. West Virginia. (laughs) One of our former BYU TV reporters now currently working for a TV station in Alaska. He's got to be good for at least five votes, right? The 66 people with the internet have voted in West Virginia. (laughs) Shots fired. 65%. According to two athletic directors in the Big 12 yesterday, the conference has zero intention of expanding and thus not inviting BYU right now. BYU has yet again, in the slow month of June, become a national trending topic in the college football world. Bronco Mendenhall had some purposeful comments, and guess what? He succeeded in garnering the nation's attention, and that poll right there is evidence of that. Whether or not it comes off desperate, he did. To some people, it did. He has the nation's attention to a degree, right? Within the college football landscape. He's the dude with the boombox hoping to get the attention of the Big 12. Mission accomplished, Bronco. BYU has been on ESPN's College Football Live more days than not in the past 30. When has that ever happened? I don't know that it has. There have been so many different topics. So why would the Big 12 not want BYU? We're going to ask Chip Brown a guy who has been covering Texas football and the Big 12 for over 20-plus years for the Dallas News, or the Associated Press, and now he is a writer at the acclaimed HornsDigest.com and a co-host of a prominent radio show there in Austin, Texas. Okay, we're, we're going to get Chip's take on this because the other day he said, look, BYU fans, and I summarize, there's no intention of inviting BYU right now and not in the foreseeable future. And the athletic directors yesterday, as Brett McMurphy uh, tweeted out from ESPN, at uh, Kansas State and West Virginia, Oliver Luck, Andrew's dad. That's why West Virginia is not voting for BYU. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's up, West Virginia? <laughs> Love you. October Sky, great film. Uh, they said uh, there's no expansion talks right now. Why would the Big 12 expand now? We've talked about this. I understand why they won't. They have 10, 10 teams, 9 uh, conference games. They don't need a conference title game. I don't know why they don't need a conference title game. It seems like they would make a ton of money from that. We're gonna ask. We're gonna ask Chip Brown about that. That's what I wanted to know the other day. Why, if you add a conference championship game and that gives you more revenue, would you not add why two more teams do that? and right. thus dispel like the notion that well they'd, they'd have to share revenues differently and they don't want to give up that money? Yeah. Add a champ, add a championship game and it's a wash, there's, right? There's two things here. There's the Big Twelve and its thinking and. Why they haven't expanded, what it would take for them to expand. And then there's the BYU angle of what does BYU bring to the conference? We talked about the money from Forbes.com, the average payout of 26.2 mil per team. Holy cow. On average. That's we, a marathon we, million. We don't know how that's distributed either. That's what, I assume that it's not averaged out among all the teams, but that's just, that's just average per team. How does BYU make itself attractive? Uh, BYU's TV deal, uh, Sunday play, all those things go into this. But the fact that uh, Bronco Mendenhall has those comments in the in the uh, Austin American Statesman that uh, ESPN Sports Center does a poll. I mean, this is uh, this is on the minds of college football fans everywhere. And interesting that sixty five percent say yes in that poll. Should the Big Twelve let BYU into its conference? Sixty five percent. Where does BYU fit into including the expansion? Texas and Oklahoma? Where do they fit into the expansion candidate scenario if the Big Twelve expands? 
And again, what will it ultimately take? We're going to ask Chip Brown, HornsDigest.com, a guy who has a very notable following on Twitter. He's, he's the guy in Texas. He's a voice in conference expansion. One of the leading Big 12 media voices. We're going to talk to him in just a few minutes. Keep your responses coming using the hashtag BYUSN. Should the Big 12 let BYU in the conference? What do you think, BYU Sports Nation? Chip Brown joins us next. We're just getting started. A ton to get to. A short window. You do not want to miss what's coming up next. BYU Sports Nation continues. We're simulcast live on BYU Radio, Sirius XM Channel 143, and on BYU TV. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, your home for authentic BYU products. Just another slow day in June. BYU still the hot topic in college football. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan live from Studio B at BYU Broadcasting. Follow the show on Twitter at BYU Sports Nation. I don't know if you've heard, Jerem. We are simulcast live on BYU Radio, Sirius XM Channel 143, and on BYU TV. I have heard that. And coming up on June 23rd, BYU Football Media Day. Lots to talk about on that day with all the major players and coaches and administrators. We'll have a two-hour special of BYU Sports Nation at noon Eastern, same time, but a two-hour edition which all the ma- with all the major guests. Our Twitter question today, why should the Big 12 Conference invite BYU to join? Or why not? Send your responses using the hashtag BYUSN. At Gentleman87 says, it would bring a larger fan base. BYU travels super well and has fans all over the country. Again, use the hashtag BYUSN. Joining us now, award-winning reporter Chip Brown from the HornsDigest.com staff, part of the Scout.com group. He has covered Texas, the Big 12, and the sports world for more than two decades with the Associated Press, the Dallas Morning News. Basically, he's been all over Big 12 country. Chip, great to have you on the show. We want to talk all about BYU and if there's any potential of them going to the Big 12. But first of all, we've got to know, is Taysom Hill public enemy number one for the UT fan base? I'll tell you what, everybody still talks about how the, uh, <laughs> the kid with the knee brace ran for 200-plus yards uh, on en route to 550 yards rushing that night. Every time I say that number, I still can't believe it. I mean, that was just about as... Uh, well, I call it the, the pulverizing in Provo. I was there, the, the rain, thunder, delay, everything. And then Taysom Hill just running all over the Texas Longhorns. Never seen anything like it. That was crazy. I, that's a new perspective. Crazy the kid with fans. the knee yeah. brace. Yeah. You don't think about the guy that had a knee brace. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Chip Brown with us, HornsDigest.com staff member, uh, an award-winning writer on BYU Sports Nation. Chip, you recently said on Twitter and in a number of other venues that the Big 12 has zero intention of expanding right now and particularly inviting BYU in. Why would the Big 12 not want a team like BYU with their national fan base? Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, I think that the mindset of the Big 12 uh, after going through the realignment, a couple of versions of it, right, since 2010, Texas led this charge, and I don't know, I, I know, actually, that not every other member of the Big 12 agreed, uh, including Oklahoma. Oklahoma felt like the Big 12 should be 12, but Texas and interim commissioner at the time, Chuck Ninus 
said that 10 would be ideal, and I, I think ultimately Mac Brown and Bob Stoops agreed that, um, you know, having a 10-team a league, you play everybody else, you get a true champion, uh, round-robin scheduling in basketball, it just made everybody's lives easier uh, from an athletic director standpoint, scheduling-wise, all that, and the true champion. Now, I think immediately after that, you had Alabama and Georgia getting to the SEC championship game without playing the best teams from the other division in the SEC. Now they had to play each other, and that was the SEC's argument that, hey, you're going to get a true champion. But the Big 12 has stuck to this 10-team philosophy since. And I think the only way that would change would be if there were some ripple effect from the attempt of the Power Five conferences right now to get rules through the entire 330 membership in Division One that would be favorable for them. And, of course, we're talking about the stipend for student-athletes and all the stuff that should be approved in August. Now, BYU was on the list of potential uh, expansion targets when Dan Beebe was the commissioner and leading up to the realignment of 2010. In fact, it was BYU and Air Force who were probably at the top of the list because it expanded the Big 12's geographical footprint. Yeah. And then it went back and forth. There was some resistance, I think, from BYU, and they were celebrating their independence and their own television deal. And I think both sides sort of agreed, hey, we're, we're good. And then more realignment happens, and now we're headed into this, this phase of the really dividing the haves and the have-nots. And, it, and it's clear that, you know, from what Bronco Mendenhall said recently, that BYU really is going to be, you know, potentially in a scheduling bind if they can't attach themselves to, to one of the power conferences that the mindset has not changed from the Big 12, that they are going to stick with 10 until they see how this, whatever world Division One is going to live in after August with the, the rules that are more favorable to the, to the power conferences, they're going to see how that shakes out before any possible movement and realignment would happen. Chip, has BYU ever been invited to the Big 12? No, not. I mean, I think there was some conversation when the you know the summer of 2010, when that was happening, Nebraska and ultimately Colorado left the Big 12. I think there were conversations, and I think ultimately it, that's all it was. And and I was told at that time that BYU was reluctant as well because. Remember, Oklahoma shook things up the following year and, and said, you know, when A&M was looking like they were going to leave and ultimately left, Oklahoma said, we're looking at all of our conference options and appeared to try and make a run to the, Pac, to the Pac-12. And that was unsuccessful. And I think at that time, BYU was 
saying, wow, that Big 12 is really unstable, I'm not sure that that's a place we want to be. And so I think there was a mutual, okay, everybody's good, and I don't think any, I don't think it's ever recovered from that. And, you know, again, Oklahoma really wanted Louisville in the Big 12. They wanted West Virginia and Louisville. And Oklahoma wanted the conference, the Big 12, to be 12. But ultimately, they were, you know, outvoted by a, a group that was led by Texas and with the endorsement of then interim commissioner Chuck Ninus. Chip Brown on BYU Sports Nation, award-winning reporter and writer at HornsDigest.com, co-host of Mornings with Chip and Chad on 104.9 FM. Okay, we want to know what BYU has to do to become undeniably attractive to the Big 12 or any Power 5 conference for that matter. From your perspective in Texas, what can BYU do to improve the brand and value? Keep winning. <laughs> I mean, we, we, no, seriously. I mean, think about it. Look at look at West Virginia. I mean, that Orange Bowl victory over Clemson, uh, you know, seventy to thirty-three or whatever it was, is essentially what got them into the Big Twelve over a Louisville program that has been across the board better than than West Virginia by a mile, and and TCU. The, the, the success of Gary Patterson going to the Rose Bowl and beating Wisconsin, that kind of success is what – it's all about television ratings and revenue, and and that's – you know, Bronco Mendenhall's got to keep winning. And I'm not, I'm not saying that there, there couldn't be another shift in realignment after we get through whatever – the new Division One rule book is going to look like. And, of course, the ultimate threat was that the Power Five conference would break away from the NCAA. Now, Mark Emmert says this week, and he says every time he's asked, that's not going to happen. And I don't think the, the commissioners of the Power Five conferences are thinking that way at all. Right now they're trying to build consensus for as much of that rule book change as they can get leading into August. But if if there's some massive shift, and I, I was told that if the Power Five broke away from the from the NCAA, basically forming their own conference, there could be schools that would be weeded out and schools added. You know, like a Boise, a Fresno, a BYU. I just don't think we're going to get to that extreme. But trying to predict what's going to happen next in the power structure of college football is, um, you know, like trying to chase mercury at times. Yeah, good yeah, luck. Good yeah. luck with that. Absolutely. What would it take for the Big 12 to expand? I don't think the Big 12 would expand. Um, I mean, let's be honest. ESPN is driving a lot of this. ESPN has a contract with BYU. Um, ESPN has a, a tier one contract with the Big 12. And those conversations are going to dictate a lot of how much added value would BYU bring in terms of do they automatically walk in and represent a full share 
or do they have to, like TCU and West Virginia, and build Utah. up and, and Utah build up to a full share? And that's that's where that's where the Big Twelve has watched the SEC and said, you know what, that piece is not out there. Now they they might have been wrong on on Louisville, and who knows if if they're not you know being smart on BYU, but right now they feel like the television money is good, it's competitive. And we'll see how long the, the other schools in the Big 12, because it is unequal revenue sharing in the Big 12, Texas makes substantially more than everyone else because of the Longhorn Network and the $15 million a year that that brings in. We will never see a deal like that again. Um, ESPN, in my mind, panicked because they saw Texas as this massive chess piece being courted by the SEC, the Big Ten, and and the Pac-12 at different times, and they needed to protect their inventory, which included Texas and Oklahoma, so they gave Texas a fortune to keep them right in the Big 12 and make them basically immovable. But there's a new athletic director now, Steve Patterson. He's a wild card. He doesn't, he's not anywhere near as transparent as the lost odds. How, how long can Texas sort of control things? Is, is sort of what I'm watching before the rest of the conference says, hey, you know what, we need to expand. We need to be 12 again. So some of the power brokers are, are shifting, and that's another thing to watch. But I don't think anything happens until they see what the landscape looks like after August. And the Big 12 has been so passive. I mean, when, when it looked like the ACC might get picked apart before they somehow, and I'll give John Swafford executive of the year for getting that conference to sign the grant of rights when there were, there were some pretty important people at Florida state who were interested in, in exploring other options, tired of being a football power in a basketball conference. The big 12 was not aggressive. They were going to wait and see if the ACC got picked apart basically by the by the big 10. And that if enough pieces shook loose, they would go after some of the pieces of the ACC. But because they got picked apart, I think they have been more of a, we're, we're not going to go in and loot other conferences. We've been there, and it's, and it's not good. And so some mindset is going to have to change for the Big 12 to become more aggressive in, in – uh, and adding. Chip Brown has covered the Big 12 in Texas for 20-plus years, uh, a reporter and writer at HornsDigest.com. Chip, I, I understand that splitting the Big 12 financial pie between 10 teams and you're playing every team with nine conference games, all of that, that, that makes perfect sense. When it comes to money and not wanting to share, I, I guess logical thinking would lead me to believe that adding a championship game would, would kind of make that a wash. If you had two more teams and have a championship game, then there, there's still enough revenue for everybody, right? Yeah, and here's the thing. They, they got paid by ESPN uh, as if they had a conference championship game. Now, the dynamics of that is, you know, will change as revenue. It just it staggers me that 
that television revenue continues to go up, but my gosh, it does. And the fact that the Clippers are being talked about as a purchase of $2 billion tells you that they think the television revenue is going to keep going up. And why is that? Well, because it's the only thing people watch live, which means they're not TiVoing it and speeding through commercials. It's about the only thing where you watch the commercials. But at some point, even that has to have um, saturated, you know, in terms of what that value is. But I'm not saying that the Big 12 is right. I mean, they've Texas has been able to to work this thing in their favor, um, and they're the ones sitting on the pile of money. Yeah, I don't know that that Baylor and Iowa State and the the schools that became known as part of the Orphan Five, Kansas, Kansas State. If you pour truth serum in them, they might say, you know what, let's go grab BYU now while they're available because we don't know what's happening out there, and maybe we should be 12. But the indications I've gotten, and I'm talking to multiple schools in the Big 12, are that it's not happening now. So, again, mindsets are, are changing because some of the power brokers are changing but I think everybody's going to wait and see what happens in August with uh, the rule book for, for Division One before we get any more shakeups. Chip Brown, we appreciate the time. Uh, best of luck with everything. And uh, we look forward to what we think is a marked date on the Texas calendar now, September 6th. <laughs> well, I know that Charlie Strong watched that film and had a few things to say to the players (laughs) about how they felt about it. So I I think you're right. Hey, Chip, we appreciate the perspective. Uh, Great to have you on. We look forward to talking to you again soon. Okay, anytime. Holy cow, I could have talked to him for like an hour, probably more. So much good stuff there. So many questions, and we will dive into that. The Orphan Five. I hadn't heard that before. Or Truth Serum into the Orphan Taysom Hill's the guy with the knee brace that ran for 200 (laughs) plus yards. That's hilarious. So good. Up next, the first interview for the new West Coast Conference Commissioner, Lynn Holtzman. She'll give it to us on BYU Sports Nation. You're listening on BYU Radio, simulcast on BYU TV. This is BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan live from Studio B at BYU Broadcasting. Follow the show on Twitter at BYU Sports Nation. It's up and running after Twitter got hacked yesterday. Yeah, that was weird. Well, tweet deck. <laughs> tweet deck, anyway. Yeah. You can follow us at Spencer underscore Linton and at Jerem Jordan. Also follow the show on YouTube, youtube.com slash Sports. You can check out uh, different clips and interviews cut up on the daily, on the regular. Yeah. Our next guest, Lynn Holzman, the West Coast Conference President's Council, had just selected her to serve as the third full-time commissioner in the 62-year history of the West Coast Conferences. Uh, she replaces Jamie Zaninovich. Lynn, I have this vision of party horns, balloons, and streamers when you found out you were taking over as the new West Coast Conference Commissioner. What was your initial response and reaction to the news? Wow. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on today. This is, it's, it's exciting. It certainly has been a whirlwind the last few days. Um, so when I got the news, I, I, I don't think there <laughs> were uh, balloons, streamers, or anything <laughs> like that, for sure. Um, first, it may not necessarily be my style, but it's also, um, I think, just the... 
uh, you know, realizing the significance of the appointment and what comes with the position, you know, c- certainly just went into that business mode a little bit. But I, I, I can't, I can't lie. Certainly, there's been been some smiles and some celebrations and some toasts with my friends and family. Well, congratulations! And when do you officially take over as commissioner of the West Coast Conference? I uh, take over early next week, and out of the blocks, one of the, the big um, things that I'll be involved in is that the 32 Division One Conference Commissioners have a meeting in Southern California, and we'll be talking about a lot of exciting stuff down there. So Monday is the first official day. Well, that's a big Monday. What a way to start for you uh, in your new role. What, what prepares you for a huge responsibility like this? A great question. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot that goes into it. Um, pers- you know, for me, the professional experiences that I've had, as you know, many may know and some may not know, prior to my coming to the West Coast Conference a little under two years ago, I spent 16 years at the NCAA National Office. And, and there, throughout my career, I was involved in a lot of Division One governance matters, involved in working with a lot of presidents, athletic directors, and others uh, within the, the issues surrounding the NCAA regulatory environment. And as, as you all know, that's a real big issue right now and what's happening on the national landscape. I also did a lot of work with the different coaches associations um, and helping them navigate the NCAA p- politics and the bureaucracy and all that. So I think those, coupled with the experiences I've had the last couple of years here at the West Coast Conference really working side-by-side with Jamie and our other leaders as we've talked about our continued growth for men's basketball in our exposure realm and what we've been doing with our digital platform, the W.TV and other things. I think putting that all together in a nice, neat little package um, prepared me for this position, and I'm excited about the direction and the opportunities our conference has. And, Lynn, the, the direction continues to, to change, and you mentioned big things you'll talk about in Southern California next week with other commissioners. How has some of the knowledge that you gained in working, you mentioned the politics and the academics, things like stipends, uh, snacks, you know, food, all of that. How, uh, well, I guess, what's the future going forward, and how do you manage that uh, as a WC, at, in the WCC? You know, if, it'd be great if I actually, if we all knew what, what, what's actually coming our way. Yeah. But, you know, that's the million-dollar question. I think that's part of the challenge of being in this position is that our conference is, is we have to make sure that we maintain our relevance on that national scene. And it's not just in the competitive realm and how our teams and our schools are performing in men's basketball and our other sports and then how we promote that through our exposure efforts. But within those rooms and in those conversations, Conversations. How do we make sure we remain relevant in those national discussions? Um, and as those things are happening and as we see regulatory reform happening, whether it's how the NCAA governance structure is working with the power conferences and the um, level of votes that they have and, and all of that, you know, how do we make sure that we're part of that and we appropriately have representation and influence on the outcomes? And I think one of the more important things then is how our members our 10 institutions within the West Coast Conference address those issues. As you said, as the issues, as discussions surrounding cost of attendance and other um, other things that contribute to that student-athlete experience, whether it's in changing NCA rules surrounding that, those are important conversations that our own membership then has to have, and we have to be proactive. We cannot sit back and be reactive in those conversations because they ultimately translate to how then we're competitive on the, on the field of play and on the basketball court and everywhere else. 
Um, we have to put our position, our institutions in a position to be successful. But the reality is, is that there's only that we we have resources that we're challenged with at our institutions. So we have to make very thoughtful, intentional decisions. Lynn Holzman giving her first interview as the new commissioner of the West Coast Conference to BYU Sports Nation right now. We are live with her. Lynn, you brought up Jamie Zaninovich, and he obviously did a great job uh, in getting the WCC out there, and you've had an opportunity to work very closely with him. Did he give you the secret to success as you take over this new job? What, what, uh, what did he tell you you have to do? Well, I, I can accurately say it's not it's not one single thing. Yeah, <laughs> Jamie yes. has a lot of a lot of advice to offer up, and he's continued to do do so. And you know, the great thing is that he's going to remain in the area. You know, going over to the Pac-12 as a deputy commissioner, and I'll continue to seek his counsel along with other individuals throughout the industry to make sure that we're putting our conference in the right position. Um, you know, Jamie did a phenomenal job here over the last six, seven years. There's a lot of progress that was made to sustain and build on the vision that we have at the West Coast Conference, which is to be the most competitive and well-recognized uh, football championship subdivision or Division One conference while we deliver a premier educational experience for all of our student-athletes. So the three big components there, we want to be the most competitive, we want to be well-recognized, and we want our student-athletes to have an awesome experience. And within that, as I said, there's not just one piece of advice that Jamie has given, but um, if I had to pick one, I would say that uh, you know, Jamie's advice is that we have to, we have to make sure that we, we are engaged everywhere that we need to be. Um, and that, and that we can't um, we can't sit on the sidelines with those with the conversations we need to be involved in and the initiatives that we undertake. You know, he he was a very progressive leader, um, and, and really challenged our membership and our institutions to grow in a lot of different ways. And we've seen the fruits of that labor. And part of my responsibility is to make sure that we continue to move forward, and that we continue to, to capitalize on that. We put ourselves in a position that our schools and our athletic programs can be successful. Lynn, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that you'll probably feel a measure of stress at some point as the commissioner of the West Coast Conference. What do you do to relieve those anxious, tense moments? Oh, what do I do? I enjoy traveling, um, and here, here's here's a here's a classic about this schedule right now. Um, you know, I played basketball in college, and at some point in time, Kansas State, uh, right? Uh, Kansas State University. That's right. Uh, if, at some point in time, I, I decided that it was okay that I ran around without a ball in my hand and I started becoming a runner. So the timing of this is, is, is certainly not ideal, but I have a half marathon <laughs> in a week and a half wow. here that Get I'm training for. So th- that's where the stress is going. I think it's going to be a pretty uh, very much a, uh, a lot of thought within that 13.1 miles on, on, on June uh, 21st here as I'm running that half marathon. I have a lot to think about, that's for sure. But you still have headphones in with music or no? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm a headphone runner for sure. I play games with myself when I run, how, how many songs I have to go, everything. Nice. Now, I, wanna f- I think we buried the lead here, but this is your first interview as I guess you'll be the commissioner officially next week, but... Why did you pick BYU Sports Nation as your first interview, Lynn? <laughs> oh, there's something to say about first movers, isn't there? Um, you know, we got the request from you guys, and of course, you know, BYU, both as an institution, our conference, and uh, BYU TV, you guys, everything, you guys are important important parts of what we're trying to do to make sure that we get the exposure and we, we get the word out there about what we are as the West Coast Conference. So certainly I was going to jump on this chance to interview with you guys. 
We appreciate the time. I, I was wondering if, if winning the Commissioner's Cup for a second straight year gave us like the opportunity, if we had first dibs <laughs> on Lynn Holtzman. <laughs> Well, I can tell you that uh, President Worthen, who was at our meetings, he thought it was quite great that he comes to his first president's meeting, and what we do is give him a trophy. Yeah, every yeah. year, baby. Welcome to the league. <laughs> <laughs> Lynn, great to talk with you. We look forward to working with you and uh, seeing you in the future. All right, sounds great. Thank you. That was a really insightful interview that right there. She's ready to rock. You can, you can hear it. Yeah, yeah well, and, and I asked her, what, what, what prepares you for this? Her resume is unbelievable. And. Yeah, she's been at the NCAA, so she understands how that works. And the West Coast Conference is in an interesting spot. We've been talking about the Big 12 and then the WCC. They are primarily known as a basketball school, yet they want to be, she said, we don't want to be reactive. They want to be proactive in all these meetings as things change, and they're limited by private institutions, budgets. That's a challenge. I tell you what, they do not want BYU to leave that conference. They do not want and, – and the Big 12 has been it's, good for BYU. It's, it's always really going to be there. Could BYU as a football only go to the Big 12 and stay in the West Coast Conference? I know a lot of people have thought I'd, about that. I'd love that. How, how much of an option is that? We've got a ton to talk about in terms of BYU getting into the Big 12. We'll talk about some of the things that Chip Brown said. More good stuff coming on BYU Sports Nation after this. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, your home for authentic – B to the Y to the U products. BYU Sports Nation. Hi. <laughs> BYU Sports Nation is on demand. If you missed the show live, no worries. You go to BYUTV.org slash DVR. Watch video there. Or listen to audio on BYUSportsNation.com. If you're new to the program, you should definitely follow at BYU Sports Nation and have a voice using the Twitter machine. Use the hashtag BYUSN when you send in your responses. Our Twitter question today is, why should the Big 12... Let BYU in at Y for Life says BYU would bring more interest, intrigue than eight of their current teams. That that may be uh, well, that obviously is uh, subjective, but they have a real market. Sorry, TCU. No, no, no. T- well, the Dallas Fort Worth market. Yeah, it's it's not TCU. It's Dallas. <laughs> so I I disagree on that one. Does BYU have the market? Salt Lake City, Market 33. Do they have the financial the Milwaukee? The financial generating revenue capability. Yes. It's just how much can they add? Are they do they equal to, you know, what's add? the value that they would bring to the Big 12? There's so many things that go into that. And one one thing that hit me is some of these teams that were not P5s that were were made P5s, they went to a BCS game. Like Chip Brown told us, that, you know, what what does BYU need to do? They need to keep winning. Winning is the icing on the cake. Just because you're good at winning doesn't mean you'll get uh, into a P5, look at Boise State, because it depends where your TV market is. It depends what kind of other uh, added value you can have. BYU has some of those things. I think Salt Lake's good enough. Utah proved that with the Pac-12. Although, Utah, I mean, if Texas and Oklahoma go to the Pac-12, Utah's still sitting in the Mountain West, you think. Or somewhere else, you know. Or a leftover in the Big 12 yeah. or something. I don't know. How Who? different would that have been if Texas and Oklahoma would have gone to the Pac-12? What if it was the Pac-16? Goodness, who's in the Pac-16 at that Apparently point? Apparently not BYU due to that they're not an academic research institution. Jerem referenced Chip Brown. If you research. don't know who Chip Brown is, he's a guy that writes for HornsDigest.com, you which is the leading blog uh, in, in Texas, deep in the heart of Austin for UT football. Uh, he's covered the, the Big 12 for 20-plus years for the Associated Press. 
So we we had an opportunity to talk to him at the top of the show. We could have spent the entire hour talking to him because we had so many questions, but he he brought up some really interesting points. The first being that ESPN played a ESPN. huge part in keeping the Big 12 together. Listen to this. ESPN, in my mind, panicked because they saw Texas as this massive chess piece being courted by the SEC, the Big Ten, and and the Pac-12 at different times. And they needed to protect their inventory, which included Texas and Oklahoma. So they gave Texas a fortune to keep them right in the Big 12 and make them basically immovable. Texas has a lot of money coming in, not just from the Big 12 and their TV contracts, but Oil, from baby. ESPN directly. Yes, ESPN saved the Big 12. I did not realize They that. did not want Texas to go anywhere else. And so when he said they, so wanted, they, get to, they 15, wanted to protect their thing. $15 million a year. Just for, for the them. Longhorn Network. Texas and Oklahoma are what BYU, Utah, and then TCU were to the Mountain West. The, so the, the the dictators of policy, and then maybe some of the others. I don't know. Do the others stand up to Texas at some point? The Orphan Five. The or- <laughs> the Orphan Five. Jabron mentioned that. He said that the others <laughs> may need to stand up to Texas to make expansion happen. Kansas, Kansas State, Iowa State. Yeah. Man. That's... Let's hear what Chip Brown said about the others I, yeah, standing look, up to Texas. This is great stuff. Big 12 is right. I mean, they've, Texas has been able to, to work this thing in their favor, um, and they're the ones sitting on the pile of money. Yeah. I don't know that, that Baylor and Iowa State and the, the schools that became known as part of the Orphan Five, Kansas, Kansas State, if you pour truth serum in them, they might say, you know what, let's go grab BYU now while they're available because we don't know what's happening out there, and maybe we should be 12. But the indications I've gotten, and I'm talking to multiple schools in the Big 12, are that it's not happening now. It's not happening now, but in 2010, BYU, according to Chip Brown, was very much in the conversation. The Cougars and their athletic department were in a strange position, however. The Big East was still existent, and they were courting BYU heavily, but they were unstable. What I learned from today is that the Big 12 was kind of in the same category as the Big East. We thought yes, that. because BYU didn't know if Texas and Oklahoma would even be if, there. If they're going to go, like, do you want to join that conference? Does that conference then dissolve and become like the, the American now? Like, are they another American conference? They, I think that they would have been, because at the time you had West Virginia and Louisville and those teams. Like, it's easy to say. It, in, was, it was on par with it. It's easy to say in 2010, why didn't we join the Big 12? They wanted us then. Dan Beebe, the but commission. But you did have Missouri and Texas a Who knows if they would have gone after Oklahoma and Texas jump ship. I would imagine. They went with Oklahoma and Texas staying. So they're probably gone. To the gone. SEC. To the yeah, SEC. Yeah. The ultimate invite. But still, they left whether Texas and Oklahoma were going to stay in the Big 12 or not. So BYU, I understand now where they were like, well, yeah, let's kind of see how things play out here. Yeah, I understand BYU's position in all of this. I get it. The landscape shifted, and BYU decided to separate itself and watch it, watch it move in an unstable way. You remember when BYU fans jumped on the, let's join the Big East, let's do it right now with Boise State and no. San Diego, let's go. 
How smart was BYU not to do that? There are calculated decisions that BYU's made that are smart. There's no way anybody could have known that the Big 12 was going to do what it did, losing Missouri and Texas A&M, but still saving itself with ESPN coming in at the last moment and with a big chunk of money to give to Texas and say, hey, stay. So, yeah, the Big 12... Stay so there is a Big 12. Yes. They're in a good place right now. power conference. It was not that way in 2010. Chip Brown talked about that. BYU was on the list of potential uh, expansion targets when Dan Beebe was the commissioner and leading up to the realignment of 2010. In fact, it was BYU and Air Force who were probably at the top of the list because it expanded the Big 12's geographical footprint. And then it went back and forth. There was some resistance, I think, from BYU, and they were celebrating their independence and their own television deal. And I think both sides sort of agreed hey, we're, we're good. And then more realignment happens, and now we're headed into this, this phase of the really dividing the haves and the have-nots. And, it, and it's clear that, you know, from what Bronco Mendenhall said recently, that BYU really is going to be, you know, potentially in a scheduling bind if they can't attach themselves to, to one of the power conferences. There are a couple of life vests for BYU. One, because ESPN saved the Big 12, however they did it, and BYU has a great relationship with ESPN on the side, there is that natural kind of inclusion at some point you would think. ESPN is in BYU's corner. I would take that over many schools in the country because they are the self-proclaimed worldwide leader. And that relationship has been fantastic. They hook BYU up. They do. The other thing that we learned from that interview from Chip Brown is there are schools within the Big 12 that believe BYU is a credible team, would add value to the conference. The Orphan Five, he referred to, said, hey, let's, let's go get BYU right now. Let's go do it. They want, there were a number of teams His that wanted to go that and do would, that. Yeah. Okay? So BYU, how do they inflate those life vests and keep themselves afloat so that they get noticed by the search party? Just... Win. Be crazy awesome. Win a lot of football games. Absolutely. <laughs> our, our Twitter question today is, why should the Big 12 let BYU in? Why do you think BYU should be in the Big 12 conference? Let's go to the Twitter machine for a little bit more. you got tweets. At Y for Life, BYU fans fill seats. You should see some of the Big 12 stadiums. It's not as bad as the Pac-12 lack of attendance, but they need BYU fans. That's one of the factors. I don't know that it's one of the top factors, but yeah, BYU's got a big stadium, and they put butts in seats and on the road. The main factor is that they need to win, and that can start in late August. Countdown to Connecticut. 78. We didn't have to say the days today. No. It's all about the syllables, man. I mean, it's four <laughs> syllables if you're keeping score at home. 78. Four. Up next, the Cougar Whip Around and more of your tweets. Why should the Big 12 let BYU in? Why should they not let BYU 78 in? 78 two syllables. We just drag it out. Right. 78. <laughs> <laughs> This is Bronco Mendenhall, and you are in BYU Sports Nation.
Bronco Mendenhall and the BYU Cougars. 78 days away from Connecticut. That's in the weight room. The countdown. They have the countdown clock. To the second. We were doing it, too, without knowing that. (laughs) I promise it was organic. That was not a (laughs) well-cogitated sentence. We were doing that, too. Cogitate this. You know what time it is, Spencer? Yes. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Football. Mel Kuyper Jr. names Jamal Williams at one of the top five, but there's really seven in his list, underclassmen running backs in the United States of America and Canada. He, I don't know. He is mentioned among the likes of Georgia's Todd Gurley and Alabama's T.J. Yeldon. Nicely done. Track He's got some great field. game. The NCAA championships underway in Eugene, Oregon. Jason Witt placed 12th in the 10,000 meters. Andrea Harrison, who we had on the show, finished 19th in the steeplechase. And Shea Martinez, 17th in the 800 meters. Chase Dalton, 18th after five events in the decathlon. He also was on BYU Sports Nation. Josh Wyrick in 21st. Good luck to uh, those who continue competition today. On tomorrow's show, we had James die on earlier this week. You punt, you die. You punt, you die. They, his family will be in town. So Trey Dye will join us. BYU signee to play running uh, receiver, maybe a little bit of running back, maybe some kick returning. He will join us in studio tomorrow. The oldest of James' six children is now coming to BYU. Awesome. Let's go to the Twitter machine. You got tweets. Why should the Big 12 let BYU in at Laser Sheep? It may surprise you that I say this. I don't think they should let them in because BYU is needy. They have a lot of demands that make them an unattractive brand to include. I think BYU is legit and want them in, but I don't see enough reason. That is an interesting interesting take. take. And a lot of people think they are in a relationship. They're they're a needy lover. Rise and shout to Lynn Holzman. I think she's going to do a great job based on her interview. She's... She's ready to rock it. Hey, thanks for our guest today. We should have given her the karma, dude. I know. I thought about it. Chip Brown, Lynn Holzman, and everyone on our crew, follow at BYU Sports Nation, please. We're going to win a softball interim championship tonight. Yes, we will. Episodes of the show on demand at BYUSportsNation.com every afternoon and on BYUTV.org slash DDR. For Jerem Jordan, I'm Spencer Linton. Shout out to the big man, John Denny. We're back to work tomorrow. Championship.